we're going to look at Acts chapter 11, and if there's ever a biblical model that we as elders, and I'm sure many of you, have kind of looked at and said, man, we want to see those characteristics um, in Cornerstone. I remember speaking to a young guy that had planted out, and I said, kind of, what's the game plan for your local church? And he quoted another organization, and he said, I want to be that church. So I told him, no, that church is already there. What church is God wanting you to be? And I think the best way for us to grab hold of a model of what I want to be is let's go back to the scriptures. And so today we're going to look at the planting of the church in Antioch. And remember our theme is Jesus said, I will build my church. And boy, we've made a mess of that over the course of history. We've tried to build it with business principles. We've tried to build it with some good ideas. And thank God for the return to Scripture, to the biblical value of Scripture. You know, that's the thing with us is there is a way that seems right to man. The Bible tells us that. But the end of that is death. You see, this kingdom which the church is busy promoting and representing is Jesus building, building, Jesus building. And it says about what Jesus builds, it cannot be overcome. And so in a very kind of premeditated way, we open our hands and we say, let it be done. But yeah, for me as an example of what I believe God has called us to, and that's Antioch. He's called us to kind of display those biblical characteristics. So let's read them. Very exciting. We're going to pick it up halfway uh, through Acts chapter 11, and we now launch into kind of the third season of the book of Acts, and it's the gospel going to the ends of the earth. So up to now, we've been kind of confined to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Now in the book of Acts, for any of you who have read it or about to read the whole thing, you'll see now the gospel goes to the Gentiles, to the ends of the earth. You see, God's idea, start here and then work out. And we've had many go out, not just planting, relocated to other parts of the world, and they've made a massive difference. Uh, some have gone out just to get away. God will use you as well in those circumstances to make a difference. But of course, we want to make sure that as we go, we led of the Spirit and we're available to God. So, we launch season three, part one, Antioch. A church is planted in Antioch. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. We're starting to get out of Samaria, out of Judea, speaking the word to no one except Jews. So at that point, that's what they believed. The gospel was still something it was for the Jews only. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. So there were those who had kind of come from, uh, you know, Gentile cities or Gentile towns who were Jews but had adopted Greek way of life, Greek language, and Greek culture and that. And they obviously wanted to share the good news as well. So they began to share it with others, not only Jews. And it says in verse 21, and the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number of believed turned to the Lord. Have you prayed that? 
God, I want your hand to be with me. Don't we want that on a daily basis? Isn't that something we desire? Is his hand, his directing, his blessing and the rest? You know where it is strongest? Not let my will be done, but let his will be done. When we start to tell others about the Lord, when we have that desire in our hearts, when we can see the game plan is not survival on planet earth. The game plan is let's get this gospel out. The hand of the Lord is there. You don't have to pray for anointing. Anointing is there. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. The grapevine was working. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Obviously with great excitement, uh, you know, guys who were traveling around because Antioch was a kind of crossroads city. It was the third biggest city in the Roman Empire. You had uh, Rome, Alexandria, in Egypt, and then Antioch. Antioch uh, kind of was a seat of power in that area. And so travelers would go through there and come to Jerusalem eventually, and they said, guess what? People are getting saved in Antioch. And so what do they do? They send Barnabas, for me, right guy for the job, encourager, nice guy, full of the spirit. Remember, he was called to serve at tables, but now he's going in an apostolic capacity to go and help plant this church in Antioch. And when he came, he saw the grace of God and was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Interesting. He saw grace. You know, sometimes we just read over things. Let that sink in. What did he see? You know, now we would say evidence of the church, we saw a building, or we saw a steeple, or we saw a cross. You know, we saw signs pointing to a church. You know what he saw? Is people born again, rejoicing, praising God. That's the grace of God. The, the, the very essence of the grace of God is not, we put, up, we put up buildings to accommodate, but the grace of God is those who are lost have now been found. Gentiles who never believed were now believing. And of course, just mixing with them, he could hear the response of their hearts as they listened to the word, as they praised, as they, uh, as they prayed. He saw it, and he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. That's Discipleship 101. If, if you want to know what to do after you're born again, remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Don't allow feelings to kind of put you off. Today, I don't feel like it, so don't read my Bible. Don't feel like it, don't pray. Don't feel like it, don't even feel like a Christian. You tell me if any of us consistently have felt like we're born again. This is not about feelings. Today, I feel grumpy. Today, Adele woke up with grumpy next to her, and grumpy has to sort himself out. And you know, we, our feelings are all over the place. And it's the, the this news around us and the, sometimes even the weather. We feel bad and blue and all the rest. That's why David said when he woke up, he put his foot down as he got out of bed and he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and everything that is within me. Bless his holy name. Let your heart determine your mood. Remain steadfast. It means putting one foot forward and then the next foot forward. So just keep doing that 
in your steadfast commitment to the Lord. So he's teaching them. This is a church being planted. And then it says of him, I love that. I wonder if there's a book where our kind of character is written down. It says, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Yeah, I like that. He was a good man. He was a good man. That, that's the summary biblically of Barnabas. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. There again is some kind of hint as to what makes up discipleship. I want to be a good person. I want people to benefit. I think that should be us. I don't want to leave a trail of debt. I don't want to leave a trail of, well, I hope that person doesn't get saved. As they come to church, they'll be very surprised to see I'm an elder. Right? David, stop laughing with that guilty kind of laugh over there. Full of the Holy Spirit. There's, for me, a key to discipleship. Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. We need to develop that partnership with the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because he will say to us, that behavior is not good. There's an open door. I anoint you for this. He'll guide and lead us. He'll make Jesus the focus of our lives and full of faith because that's the way I want to live. And then it says a great many people were added to the Lord. So we had these initial bursts of the gospel being preached by Jews and Hellenistic Jews, those are Greek-speaking Jews, and then the gospel goes from the Jews to the Hellenistic Jews to the Gentiles, and now God starts to add, because that's what God does. You go to Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God is poured out, there's wonderful devotion, community is built, and it says God added to their number daily, because God knows into those circumstances He can bring people, because they are going to be discipled. I want to be that kind of church. That's why, for me, this is such a good example uh, for us. Right, added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. Don't you love Barnabas' heart? He reckons, I know a man who is called to minister to the Gentiles uh, because Paul had visited Jerusalem and Barnabas had obviously connected with him. Barnabas is aware that he has a big anointing on his life. He understands the gospel. And so I'm going to bring him. I'm going to kind of partner with him. I, I love that. For me, that's what makes church work. It's where we work together in partnership for the sake of what we call to. And they met with the church and they taught many people. I, I, I want to get that manual. <laughs> yeah, give me that manual because there's Paul and Barnabas, a, a mix of an encourager with a, an incredible pastoral heart and Paul, precise, clear understanding of the gospel. You know, doesn't hold back with challenge. That's how we plant church. I love it. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Hmm. Maybe a bit of an insult, some think, but yet... As they looked at that group, they said, you are like Jesus. It was quite a, I think it's a testimony. You know, as they looked at those new believers who have been discipled, you remind us of Jesus. Of course, the obvious lesson is when they observe us, who do we remind them of? Yes, I tell you, that's a challenge, isn't it? (laughs) 
<laughs> I want the testimony about me to be, you're a man full of faith. You're a good man. You know, you're a man full of the Holy Spirit. Actually, you like, you like Jesus. Isn't that it? We change from glory to glory, so we come into the likeness and image of Jesus. See, there's the role model. You know, God forgive you if you're thinking, I want to be more like Marcus. Because Craig tried, he did a very bad job of it, and uh, he's realized there's a lot of downfalls over there. Now, follow me as I follow Christ. That's leader's job. Let's set an example of godliness, but it's Jesus. He's the role model. If this church is considered to be a prophetic church, our prophetic vision is we all want it to become like Jesus Christ. We want to become like, we want to reflect everything about him. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending to the elders, it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Isn't that awesome how mature that body was? You know, in this very short description of maybe a couple of years, we have people who are born again, who get discipled, who start to practice community, who invite in translocal gifts in like these prophets and, you know, Paul who had come as an apostolic figure with a teaching gift and understanding of the gospel and they hear about something and they moved with compassion. Isn't that the heart of God? A giving heart. And, and you know, we could, how do we respond to disaster? How do we respond to adverse circumstances? is we allow God to challenge us and we give. That's what it's about. And we saw this church over the COVID time, I think Barry released, where is Barry? He's the key guy today, so he's at the back. There we are. Maybe, what, one and a half million came in? Just a little over a million came, I'm evangelistic. Just a, during that time, we were able to feed people, we were able to resource people with who are battling with rent and so on, because our hearts of compassion, because we understood it's not all about me. You know, Christianity is not this extension of service to Marcus so that he can be comfortable and everything can be used for him and every gift that ever is given must be given to me. No, no, we have pleasure in being part of the kingdom by being like Jesus and giving. That for me is a sign of maturity. So, kind of, that's uh, what, 19 to 30, that's 12 verses of concentrated teaching through the narrative, just a story of what happened in Antioch of the church that Jesus is building. If that's all you had, you could take this into the world. If that's the only bit of scripture you had, and you could go and plant churches, you could. So, it's all there, everything. Now, I'm going to try and get this right. Dio, deoxyribonucleic acid is? Did I get it right? To all the science professors here, forgive me for butchering that. But that's DNA. Interesting, hey? Is inside the, mo the molecule inside cells, 
DNA contains the genetic information responsible for development, growth, function, and reproduction of all known life organisms. It's there, in you. Every cell contains the blueprint for life. Isn't that interesting? That's, I find it phenomenal. I know it was popularized by those CSI shows where you could pluck a hair and you could find out, did he do it? You know, or spit, or I don't know, whatever, blood as well. They could do that analysis and find out. And, and you know, the, the, the issue over there is it's responsible. There's a pattern there that'll cause reproduction to take place, and we end up like we are with little markers in there, you know, whether you're going to have none of that, or you're going to have green eyes. Apparently, I'm part of the very privileged group that uh, have green eyes. We're the rarest in, on the planet. I suppose very similar to lizards who have green eyes. <laughs> I don't know if that's something about character, but uh, green eyes, no hair. I don't know if you want to read anything into that, but DNA kind of causes us to carry on. It's a pattern. It's a blueprint. And you know what? Built into all Scripture is DNA of Jesus building His church. And built into this, there's a DNA of exactly what the normal DNA does. It helps develop, grow, function, and reproduce. If we would just look at it and begin to understand that He operates that way. Jesus operates that way in building the kingdom. And so as these stories unfold in the book of Acts, we see that pattern. So therefore, how do we do it today? You know, because it's not, it's your cells don't have to think DNA. They are. And that's what they reproduce. Like reproduces like. So for me, the million-dollar question is how do we get that right today? How do we make sure that we are building the church that Jesus wants to build? Because in this case, we can tamper with DNA. And boy, have we caused a few Frankensteins out there called local church. And I'm only talking about us because sometimes we got these crazy ideas. You know what? We let Jesus build his church how? by conferring with him in, pe- in prayer. Let's keep that close. And, and you know, for you as an individual, for me, do the same. What, what do you think, Jesus? What is your next step for, for me? What do you want to emphasize in my life? Keep true to the scriptures. If it's not in the scriptures, don't have any part to do with it. And how many times I've been in meetings and we've had good ideas. You just hear the gun being loaded and let's shoot that thing down. Good, you, know, you can have a good idea about a carpet, but how we run the church and the vision we have and the values, that has got to be Scripture. How do you do it? We partner with the Holy Spirit. We partner with Him. He's been given so that we can produce the fruit. And we stick to the game plan. What's the game plan of the church? Fill seats, enjoy life. You know, just remark on the fact that we're going to be with him forever. That's part of it. But you know what the game plan is? Make disciples of all nations. Built into the DNA of every aspect of church should be, how do we get this gospel out? How do I open my hands? How do I face that way? How do I become apostolic? And we learn this over here. Why? 
right there in the beginning, these that are scattered because of persecution, you would think the natural response would be to go and hibernate, hide away, don't let them know, remove the fish sticker off your car. Actually, some of you need to because of the way you drive. They're going to associate you with the church. So rather not put a fish sticker there until that area of your life is sanctified. But they don't hibernate. They don't go and, you know, kind of lock themselves away. Where they land, they preach. Even in these kind of negative, adverse, challenging, life-threatening situations. Man, make me like that, Lord. Make me like that. I don't want to apologize. And I think too many times we do that. We don't kind of become those who speak about the one we love the most where we land. And, and I love it. I, I just love the, the results when you see, uh, you know, both of what happens to Barnabas, through Barnabas and through the, those believers. It says, a great many people were added to the Lord. And then it says, they met with the church and taught a great many people. Great many people were being impacted. That's it. I want the legacy of my life. I impacted a great many people. I reached a great many people. And we're all going to intertwine with our ministry. Some of us are going to be more evangelistic. Others are going to be more kind of discipling. Others are going to be brave enough to go and punch holes into unknown areas and reach unknown people groups. That's what it's about. You see, ethnos is God's plan. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son for the world. Go and make disciples of all people groups. The gospel couldn't stay with Jewish culture and Jewish language. It was God's idea not only to get it to the Samaritans, but to get it to every ethnic group. And I know if we were to do a bit of a survey here, we would see there are many ethnic groups represented. And it's the way God builds church. He just puts them together. And you know what? There's one set of common behavior, one culture that overrides these all, and that is kingdom. But yet in our uniqueness, there's food and there's little quirks and that that make us who we are. I love that. I really love that. And I love the fact that we are becoming more and more a reflection of our city. And then from this, God is going to take us and he's going to cause us to be part of his plan the gospel to go out in a powerful way. Aren't you excited about that? I'm excited about that. The second thing for me is, okay, there's the first thing, is God uses normal, ordinary people to extend his kingdom. You see, up to that point, it was apostles, 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 and then those seven, you know, like Stephen preached, and, you know, Philip went and did this, and Barnabas did this, but now it's the disciples, just those who were born again. You know, we wouldn't consider them to feature, but they feature because the kingdom is about the priesthood of all believers, and God needs every one of us everywhere to, when we land like them, to be those who preach the gospel. Second point is Barnabas and Saul. God works through partnerships. I, I really do enjoy that. We know later on that partnership had a bit of a wobble. They fought with each other, but then history tells us later on that it looks like they had different teams, but they did get on. But this is how we work, is we're not lone rangers. Uh, we aren't there on our horse, you know, Tonto and you off to go and shoot holes 
in the devil's plans. Now God puts us in team and there's, there's incredible camaraderie and support. And, and you know, you see it wherever you go. Children's ministry go to other equips around the world. There's a team of them that go out. Whenever we go out, we want to team it. And God uses team. There's a wonderful team here that makes things happen. And I want to encourage you in getting involved. God's going to use the uniqueness of the gifting on your life to fulfill a greater purpose to which we called. Barnabas could see, I can't do this. I need others around me. Not just to say yes, but to partner. And he, he knew that, man, Paul could make a big difference. And then later on you see team being sent. Uh, I love that. Uh, Agabus is a prophetic gift. And it says later on in chapter 13 or chapter 12 when Antioch goes out and they send Paul and Barnabas. There were teachers and there were other prophets that were there. That's this local church partners with team. Ephesians 4 gifts, other apostolic figures, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. And together we're finding God's way forward. There's health in this. I hope you understand the importance of all of this. And it's not just like, oh, well, there's some kind of hierarchy. No, we partner. We need every possible gift in the local church and then with translocal team to fulfill the purpose. So let's conclude this with some lessons we can learn on how Jesus is building his church. Number one, Jesus is the message we preach. That's what it says. They preached Jesus. Are you kind of a little confused about, you know, what should we preach? Preach Jesus. Simple. You've been born again. You know the story. You can share your testimony and show through the scriptures that it's all about Jesus. That's the DNA of the church. The church is about glorifying Jesus, about promoting Jesus, about giving him the significance and the time. And so wherever we go, that's what we want to tell people about, how he's changed me. That's the story I have, and that's the one that means something, and I do believe God anoints me to do that. And the second one is this gospel message of Jesus should be preached everywhere. It says in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So it's not like building church buildings and then the end comes. It's this gospel of Jesus must be proclaimed everywhere. Do you know any that don't know him? God could be using you to pioneer that situation, that family member, that group of friends, that work kind of atmosphere, maybe even a nation. God could put that in your heart and we want to partner with you. We want to form a team around you so that we can fulfill this. Jesus wants to build his church with and through every one of us. Next one, the way to obey the Great Commission is to plant churches in every region, city, town, and village. You know, we preached that message, and now my son and his family are about to get into New York to go and do that. Is it comfortable for us? No. I told him, leave the three grandchildren with us. You're young enough to have another three grandchildren. They can be the New York American ones. We'll keep these. We'll raise them well. What's the purpose of children unless they give you grandchildren? <laughs> Come on. All those who are at that place are saying exactly the same thing. You need to know how it hurts. 
Yesterday, Adele and I were rattling around our uh, townhouse. And we were saying, yes, you know, it is lonely. We got their pictures on the fridge. We're looking at them and thinking, come alive, come alive. <laughs> you know, we can't just pop in. But why? Because we are convinced that the only way to obey the Great Commission is to plant churches in every region, city, town, and village. And I never told them to do it. They heard God. And you see, so that's the DNA that is built into us. And in that bit of narrative is that's what we do. Wherever we go, we preach this gospel with view of planting a church. What we learned from this about Jesus building the church is no culture or ethnic group is left out of the church Jesus is building. You know that? If we aim at building kingdom, it's going to include every culture. And he'll stretch us. And he uses that to help us understand his love. He doesn't love just one segment of the population. He loves everyone. Lord, give me that love. Give me that desire. And then two more, then we're out of here. Three more. Others, no, no, you're going to stay. I'm going. You're going to carry on worshiping. Others should be able to identify us as Christians by our fruit. They should come to us and say, we've seen something that makes us believe you're Christians. Not because we've tried to explain to them that what we do on a Sunday. The church is one family across the globe. And you know, when one group battles, we help them. And we know during the times of the Iron Curtain, we had Brother Andrew smuggling Bibles. Why did that Dutch man risk his life for the sake of others? It's the same as why these Christians let God challenge their hearts so they could send help to Jerusalem. And it's why we will continue to do that wherever we can as God leads us. So social justice and these issues of helping, these for me are fruit of, of a life that is submitted to God. And we do that. We've got two organizations, UIF and Sakuma. We've had to kind of make them nonprofits so that we could funnel money through them and get tax exemption for it. And so we do that. We feed people. We are educating those that cannot afford it. There are many things that we're doing. Please go to our website and go and check that out. You can get involved. And then lastly, the way Jesus builds church is team. He gets team together for the sake of doing what he's wanting to accomplish. Let's pray together. Obviously, the most important thing is you are sitting there with your eyes closed and you're kind of checking your heart before God. If you're not born again, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. It's about being born again. It's about you responding to the message of Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you now, if you have never received Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior, meet us in the lounge at the back. There'll be some people there and chat to them. They want to speak to you. They want to help you with this. Or if in some way you kind of like lost a bit of sight or you're not sure, go to the lounge. We want to chat to you. But I pray for all of us here, Father. Thank you for the incredibly powerful testimony of Scripture. Wow, it just blows our mind to see the imprint, the DNA imprint of kingdom and the way you build in church. I don't want it to stop with, with me, Lord. I want to be available to you. I want to um, be a mouthpiece. 
I want to be identified as Christian by my fruit. I want to, wherever I am, preach your gospel, Lord. Thank you for the anointing that we have to do this. And so it is our intention to become more like you. So guide and lead us in this process, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.